0: size of the backpack has been illuminated with the was coming system going all of the sides. And welcome to another episode of Radio Contra coming at you from the Gorilla camp located deep in the heart of rural northern North Carolina and today I am joined once more by my very good friend Doc extraordinaire mech medic what's up brother
1: what's good man how you been
0: Oh, we're getting ready for the snow, man. It's uh, if I wasn't if I wasn't ketoing it up right now, woulda I woulda I scrambled to the food line to get some uh, bread and milk, you, you know? know. So I just I just got Dallas. milk. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you ketoing, man, you don't uh, when 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 you're on that keto diet, more often than not, you're having those wish sandwiches where oh, you yeah. you know. It's not even a wish sandwich. It's just, you know, you, you don't even have, you can't have the two pieces of bread and you're just sitting there thinking, man, I could go get some meat, but then you count them calories too. <clears throat> trying to, trying to get back down to the fighting weight, man. Yeah. I understand Trying, that. trying to get back down to the, down to the, uh, the wrestling days. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Pounding that pavement, man. Pounding that pavement. Mm-hmm. Dude, I did... I did 100 kettlebell squats yesterday. Oof. With a Russian standard kettlebell. A 53-pound kettlebell. Nice. dude. And it, Yeah, yeah. Oof. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. <clears throat> I was doing them in sets. And then sets and swings. And, uh... Man, that's mm, getting getting back into it, man. Getting back into it, trying to build up the lower body, and oh, uh, phew, man, it was that and working off a little, working off a little stress, little, little you know. Yeah. So what's going on with you, man?
1: Not much. Not just much, uh, so same here, getting ready for the really that really snow, snow that's going to be snow coming snow in, in and the related cold weather. Going through and getting our chimney cleared out, making sure that's ready. Uh, making sure we got mm. wood to tie us over, uh, just general housekeeping things.
0: <clears throat> oh yeah, yeah, man, that's, uh, dude, that wood fire. There ain't nothing like it. There ain't nothing no. like it. But now, Eastern North Carolina, y'all are gonna get like a dusting, and everybody flips out down there. Yeah, area. everybody,
1: everybody. <laughs> So I'm, I'm not driving anywhere because I don't want to deal with it. Um, yeah, they,
0: they panic. Oh, my God. Right it's getting right yeah. snow. So for all the listeners out there, I want you to look up. If you're not from North Carolina, you probably aren't going to get the reference. But I want you to look up NC Snowpocalypse. <laughs> all
1: right,
0: Look up NC Snowpocalypse. This was back in like... 2016 I think we had we had this 2017
1: 17, 2017 was it 17 it might have
0: been 17 I think it might have been 17 Oh man so we had this this like it, I mean it wasn't that bad of a snowstorm where I'm at cuz that's what we get like we're we're expecting a couple inches and everybody here is like hey, yeah whatever. but you know eastern north carolina like like everywhere from uh, you know, like, like uh, I'd say probably Durham eastward. A- everybody from that area is just like, Oh my God, it's going to snow. Oh, yeah. gonna freak out yeah. and uh Capitol Boulevard in Raleigh. If you look up in yes. North Carolina, snowpocalypse, you yes. will see the Epic memes of Capitol <laughs> Boulevard in Raleigh. So this sucker hit and you got to understand um, when I was up in Chicago or uh, Aurora doing doing class just outside of Chicago up there. And, I mean, these guys get you know snow all the time. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were like, oh, it never snows in North Carolina. I'm like, oh, hold, hold on. Half of North Carolina, it rarely snows. The other half, it, we get a pretty good amount. Um, but I showed them those memes, and they were like, oh, wow. That's, uh, that, that's actually a lot of snow. I was like, yeah. And that's rare for that yeah. part of North Carolina for Raleigh, but okay. it hit, it was like a blizzard mm-hmm. and it hit right in the right at lunchtime. And like everybody, nobody wanted to go home. Everybody was just like, ah, whatever, we'll be able to make it. And they didn't make it. And Epic meat <laughs> no. ensued, including a flaming Prius in the middle of the mm-hmm. road for no apparent reason. It's just on fire. Uh, but yeah. I do, I do want to give a shout out to the unsung hero of the North Carolina <laughs> snow apocalypse, The legend, the man, the myth, the legend. No idea who this guy's name is, who he is, don't matter. But this dude, so you got cars stranded up and down. I-85 coming out in and out of Raleigh, all, you know, into Durham. Like, I mean, because they they got a foot of snow. They got a foot of snow in like a few hours. So you got all these cars out there. You got all these people in the middle of rush hour. They don't know how to drive in this crap. And this dude, what does he do? He's a hero. This guy's a hero. He puts on his wife's nicest fur coat. He's got on a pair of boxer shorts. He grabs himself a couple half gallons of Aristocrat vodka and some Solo cups. And he's walking up and down the sides of I-85 giving people shots of liquor. That, that, my friends, that's hospitality. That is being an American hero right there. Oh, yeah. Dude is a hero, let me tell you. Let me tell you. And I, I can't find pictures of that anymore. That was like that that was big on Reddit back in the day, man. It was big, big on Reddit back then, but can't find it no more. But yeah, so for all for everybody, for all our listeners in the Midwest and the Northeast and my you know, my brothers out west, so y'all get snow by the foot at a time and oh it never snows in the south. Yeah, yeah, it does I it? It does. I thought that too. <laughs> yeah, you no, you were from too. you were from the readout region.
1: I uh, yeah, sure am. And uh, um, yeah, yeah. I, my first my first, my first Christmas, Christmas in North Carolina it was uh, seventy five degrees, uh, mm-hmm. and then uh, after that it just kind of like the hell is going on out here.
0: <laughs> North Carolina has for most of the state it has the most bipolar winter you'll ever experience oh yeah it's like and it, and it goes from year to year man because like two years ago we had sub-zero temperatures where i'm at like the first the first two weeks of the year it was like sub-zero at night yeah
1: i remember you texted me about the the ice storm
0: yeah yeah, it was. It, I mean, it, it was. It was below zero. Like people, people. Yeah, because I was,
1: I was in Virginia for that right when it hit. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, and and that was, but when it, one rule of thumb for most of the Mid Atlantic states is when it is super cold, you're not gonna get much snow. Like when it when it is super super cold outside, like you know teens into single digits or close to zero, you're not gonna get no snow. It, it's just not gonna happen. Um, when when we get the most snow, that's like right when it's hovering around freezing, like right at thirty two. Or a little bit less, and then it, you know, it'll stick around because it dips, like the temperature will dip at night. But that's just the way that it is. Like it, it's, it, and what what's really shitty is when we get ice, man. Ice is the worst.
1: Yeah, yeah, it'll build up on the on the roads.
0: Yeah, well, you get all the Karens out there and their trailblazers, Tahoes, whatever, and they're like. Oh, I can I can drive. I can drive. Yeah. I got four wheel drive. You know, and yep. then next thing you know, yeah, they end up in had, the yeah.
1: ditch. We had the same thing out out west. We had, you know, all the, the Californians moving up, they'd go by suburbans and Tahoes and, and mm. well not sp- specifically Denali's.
0: Um Yeah.
1: And uh you'd always Wait, see man, it. you
0: gotta be classy. All right.
1: we'd go out with our little, like, quarter-ton pickups and, like, Toyota 4Runners and pull them out. We and...
0: <laughs> <Let me> get <laughs> them digits, girl. Yeah. We get the digits. Yeah, I'll pull uh, you out. Yeah. What's up? Yeah, I'll pull you out. <laughs> Got my toe strap right here. I'll pull you out. Yeah. Man. Yeah, but it never fails. Like, if, if, you see, if you see a girl's initials on the mm-hmm. back of a Tahoe, in, written in cursive in like turquoise or pink. Yep. Yeah. and and here in North Carolina, like it'll it'll have some stickers from Simply Southern. It'll have those yep. on there too. Yep. Followed by like a life. stick figure family. Yeah. And then like an yeah. You better watch out. She gonna wreck. She gonna wreck. It's a fact. She gonna wreck. Yep. She gonna put that thing in a ditch. <laughs> it
1: will also do that thing you like.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm sure they do a few things, but, you know. Yep. (laughs) At one thing (laughs) in particular. Yeah. Yes. It's all good, though, man. It balances out. Oh, yeah. It balances out. Life balances out. You know. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, snowstorms in North Carolina. It's always fun. It's always a good time. So, but it's speaking of a good time, man, we had partisan lifesaver that you run, had it up here at my place uh, just a, what was it, three weeks ago, four weeks ago? Uh,
1: yeah, two or three weeks ago, somewhere. Yeah, three weeks ago around there, somewhere around there. Yeah. <clears throat> man, that yeah, was, that was,
0: that was a class, bro. That was, that yeah, was a good one. So, but you, you've got two classes that, that you're doing. And, yes. You know, uh, Partisan Lifesaver is the three-day course. And, you know, I, I was kind of in and out because I was doing a lot of work and getting yes. ready to head out to Texas. But um, between that and tactical combat casualty care, I mean, they. Yeah. I mean that I would put that up against any medical course I received, you know, when I was in the army, both from uh, the the dot mill, the green suitor side, as well as uh, contracted civilian classes. And I think it's just me personally, like what what you're offering to the larger community is is really mind blowing. I've seen a lot of guys, man. I've seen a lot of different people out there that are, are teaching stuff and, you know, medical things coming from different paradigms from, you know, straight up civilian side and then uh, dot mill tack medicine side. But like they're, they're mutually exclusive from one another. And what you're doing yeah, is you've put it all together, like in a, a comprehensive mesh, man, where it's like, okay, I'm going to teach you how it's, it's not just gunshot wounds that you have to worry about here. It's not just this thing, but like, here's the principles. I'm going to break them down into everything that you need to be concerned about. So like with, with March, for example, you know, talk Mm -hmm. me through March and how that applies. Like everybody needs to worry about that. It's not necessarily the, the tactical cool guy combat related stuff but it could be anything else so talk me through march man
1: yeah so march is the, uh, the overreaching algorithm that we use uh in tactical combat casualty care uh to treat casualties in combat um and it's massive hemorrhage airway respiration circulation and then um hypothermia And there's, there's stuff that goes after that. And that kind of gets into some, some follow on stuff. And we kind of dabble in that in partisan lifesaver, the following rest of the algorithm and getting into some prolonged field care stuff. But the, the main bread and butter is going to be that that marsh algorithm and it it starts with massive hemorrhage. So that's like large amounts of hemorrhage is just a big fancy word for bleeding. Um, so we're just like a lot of bleeding and that's where like tourniquets and wound packing comes in. And then airway is just your, your ability to get air in and out of your lungs. Uh, so just making sure that your airway is open. So like for a lot of guys, the way that I explain that is like in CPR classes or first aid classes, they always talk about like the head tilt, chin lift or the jaw thrust and pretty equivalent. But we use an MPA to do that. Uh, and then you have respirations. And that's when like the chest seal comes out because we want to seal any holes in the chest to make sure we don't get air into the space where our lungs are supposed to be. And then circulation is kind of following up and making sure that like the blood that is flowing through our blood vessels is enough and making like converting tourniquets and a couple other different things. And then going into hypothermia, just as simple as hypothermia, doesn't really change from like, if you've done anything with like Boy Scouts or like wilderness first aid or anything like that, it's the same basic principles for hypothermia. But when you start dealing with blood loss, it can affect you when it's 125 degrees outside um it, it it can affect you a lot a lot faster than what most people are used to when they're talking about like out in the woods and like, oh, normally we only see hypothermia when it's below freezing. Well, guess what? when you deal with blood loss, it can happen at any point in time. Um, yeah, and so that's where, where March comes in and, and how this applies to both like a combat setting and a non-combat setting it is in combat, the whole March algorithm is based off of like the three main causes of death on the battlefield. Uh, being uh, exsanguination so massive hemorrhage tension pneumothorax, the and then airway issues are the, the three main ones and then after that we have um, on the civilian side where it really plays in is what most people don't know that the number one cause of death for adults under the age of 40 is actually trauma yep uh, and that's that's for a lot of a lot of people. Um, and so it, it's not just in a, a dealing with with gunshots and 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 all that. It can be as simple as, as a car accident, or you know, splitting logs with a mall, running a chainsaw. Uh, one thing I always asked in classes is anybody run chainsaws regularly? And then the follow up question is how many of you have chaps? And it's yep. very often that there's hands raised equally for both of those. Um, just just something yeah, it's, as simple as that can can it basically all for those that don't know, um, chainsaw chaps are basically just like a sacrificial layer um, of clothing that stops the chainsaw, the, the yeah. actual chain from running, um, so that it doesn't like dig into your leg and, and go through your femoral artery. And those well, guys, you know, why would I need to use that? That's just something OSHA says. Well, yes, yeah, exactly. No,
0: <laughs> that's what I was gonna say, man. It was. Uh... I think it was two. It wasn't last fall. It was the fall before that was out. I've been running a chainsaw my whole life. You know, like I, I have literally been running a chainsaw my entire life. And, uh, you know, it used to be when, when I was growing up, uh, I always had a pair of double front car hearts that I would wear. And, that was that was just you know we called them chainsaw pants and and that's just you know what it was and um i was running a chainsaw and you know i've been running a chainsaw my whole life so i got a little over familiar you know you ever get a little over familiar with something and um man i don't remember what i was doing but uh, i was wearing a pair of wranglers and uh, wrangler pro rodeos and i i've got a uh, still 311 that i use for pretty much everything and man i don't know it it was like i i cut uh i was cutting a um uh pin oak that was dying out back in the woodlot back here and and i cut it down and i just man i it was like i thought my my left leg wasn't where it was and i set the chainsaw down like i hadn't hit the brake like i should have I set the chainsaw down like on like close to my leg and I just felt it like, and it wasn't, it it was, it was slowing down. The, the RPMs were slowing down and it didn't, it didn't do enough to cut, but it just grabbed and I felt it grab my leg. And I knew like that instant, you just know you messed up. And it was oh, like, yeah. oh yeah. And, and dude, I've been like, I've literally been running a chainsaw my entire life and that crap can happen to you. So talking about an, another example, a recent one, um, my uncle who has, he's a cattleman, he's a farmer, he's, you know, he's done all that stuff, soul life. He, he is a real cowboy, um, Literally. It, it, and that's just his deal. Well, anyway, he was um, fixing the the uh, front end of a combine. So he's got a, a small combine that he plants winter wheat and does stuff with straw and everything with and, um, you know, uses it for, for a bunch of different things. And he was working on the front end of it. And so... You know, normally when you're doing all that, when you're working on any implements with a tractor, anything with a three point hitch or, you know, something on the front of a combine, you know, you obviously you lock out the equipment. You know, you, you make sure you, you cut it off, shut everything down, all the moving pieces down, never work on anything when it's running. But you if it's something that's required to be on jacks, you put it on cinder blocks or you put it on jack stands. You know, you, you secure it somehow, and I mean, he's he's in his early sixties, and he he's been doing yeah. this stuff his whole life. He knows it, so but that's the problem. He's been doing it his whole life, and that thing fell on him, and um, it crushed his sternum. And if he didn't, it, it, if he hadn't had another guy there with him who knew instinctively what to do. To, you know, when you're pinned under a piece of equipment like that and you don't necessarily know how bad the damage is, you don't want to just lift the thing off the guy either. Yeah. You know, you, you want to alleviate the pressure slowly to see if, if he has any catastrophic injuries under there because taking it right back off of him immediately can also kill him. So, mm-hmm. you know, he, he let it off of him slowly and was a, and, and you know, he didn't. He didn't immediately have any gushing wounds or anything, or you know, any uh, uh, obvious esophageal tears or any of that stuff. Pulled him out, you know, and and I mean, he was messed up bad. He ended up having to get life lighted out of there, and um, you know, he he was in bad shape there for a little while. And this this was in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. You know, he's doing better now, but um, I mean, that that stuff can happen to you. It, it this the life-saving skills that you get from medical courses, from tactical-oriented medical courses, don't don't let the, the name tactical or the title of nobility tactical out there. That, that's why I like to call it that. It's a title of nobility. Everything's tactical. Don't let that dissuade you, okay? The stuff that Mechmatic is teaching here, both in, in TC3 and in Partisan Lifesaver, Can be used for anything, man. Like I, I, uh, my dad always told me a story about my great granddad getting part of his hand ripped off and, uh, he died several years before I was born, but he got part of his hand ripped off because he decided he was going to work on a hay baler while it was running. Oh boy. Yeah. I mean, and it's just, it's things like that. It's like, this should be common sense. But we we do stupid stuff, man. We do, and I, I was being stupid with that chainsaw that day, and man, you know, a little overfamiliar, a little over comfortable, and there you go. Like, and and I was fine. I mean, it tore my pants up, but I was, I, you know, I didn't I didn't get any any serious cuts or anything. I had some little superficial, you know, bled a little bit, whatever. It wasn't none major, but these things can happen.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, it's just like the, the that phrase that they would they would have right before you would leave a, a fob or a base. The complacency kills. It's it's the same that same thing. Um, it it I, I saw it when I worked in manufacturing. It people would get complacent with something and would forget. how I did it a couple times, um, and luckily nothing terrible went wrong, but. You just you, you do something so many times, and you just get comfortable around something. That you explain to somebody else, and they're like, "I would have never done that from the way you're explaining it." And you're like, "You'd think," but it's five thirty, and your shift ends in thirty minutes, and it's Friday, and all of a sudden things start changing.
0: Yep. And that was part of it, too. You know, like, you get Mm -hmm. in a hurry. I wasn't really in a hurry with that chainsaw, but I was just like, I brought this tree down, and I had something else that Mm -hmm. was on my mind. And, dude, when when you're running a chainsaw, that's the only thing you think about. Like, that's it. You You ain't thinking about nothing else, and yet... I was, I was like, ah, right, you know, I got to get ready to do this, that, or whatever, you know, the other thing is that I'm doing. Your mind starts to wander, man. Mm-hmm. Oops. That's why you got to be ready. You know, you got to be ready. You got to have tourniquets, number one. You know, that's that's when you're bleeding, tourniquet, followed by, yeah. uh, you know, airway constriction. Because when somebody mm-hmm. goes into shock, you know, you, you have to constantly be monitoring that um yeah. as as the life-saving agent on the ground the the primary aid response you know that, that's responding to the incident you got to be ready for that yeah you know now with your courses you've also got your individual first aid kit or ifac yes. that's out there and know yes. i'm very i'm the very proud recipient of uh i think number two <laughs> of those <laughs> i think yeah but uh talk me through your ifac talk me through what goes into it and why you have it organized the way you do
1: <clears throat> yeah so the uh the the ifac is is something that's very very like it's it's in this really common military side you kind of see them like everybody has one on their kit and they're they're generally a pretty universal thing. And then when you come to the civilian side and you start looking at like the tactical environment on the civilian sector, it's, it's everyone's kind of got their own thing and it's, it's really weird. And you look at like packing lists that are out there that people put up online and there's a lot of variety between them. And there's a lot of things that don't need to be in them. Um, So everything has to start with like a frame of reference and what I always say, and and this is not my original thought, I got this from somebody else, um, is that bag or an aid bag or whatever, it's, you first have to look at like, what am I using this bag for and what do I expect to see? And so like for an IFAC, the IFAC in a military setting or a tactical setting would be for someone to use on you. So like your IFAC that you strap to your plate carrier or to your chest rig or to your belt kit is for someone to use on you. Um, Where that kind of changes when you start rolling into the civilian side, specifically like dealing with like car accidents and stuff like, I'm not going to run to somebody's car and expect to open their trunk and find like a trauma bag in the back of their trunk. So I've packed my bag with my level of understanding of things and dealing with stuff, potentially dealing with family members. But with the IFAC, what we're primarily focused on are dealing with those life threats Um, and, and treating things along a March algorithm. Um, And then the only thing we're going to pack in, in IFAC itself, is going to be life-saving interventions. So like one thing I talk about in class is like, if you find an IFAC online and it has band-aids, uh, over-the-counter medications, um, Neosporin tablets, uh, anti-itch cream. And then the, the biggest one that's my biggest giveaway is a five by nine abdominal pad. Those are all fillers. That they put in. Um, and what I say is that's generally a sign that the person putting it together doesn't really care about your well-being. They're just trying to make something to sell you stuff.
0: <laughs> no, um, never.
1: No. Um, never. No way. The way I talk about it is it's the same way as like the OSHA minimum first aid kits that you can get at like Sam's Club or like
0: from like a uh
1: a, a U-line. Um catalog that's got like the bare minimum stuff that osha requires you to have in like a warehouse or in a place of business none of the band-aids ever work all of the -the over-the-counters are always expired whenever you need them the alcohol pads are always dried out like nothing ever like the the um the baby the safety pins in them are always rusted because it's all cheap stuff none of it's quality stuff because they don't actually expect to ever use it So when I looked together, when I looked at starting to putting uh, wanting to put together an IFAC, um, I looked at it from what is the bare minimum that someone needs to have to deal with trauma and to go through the March algorithm. And the only thing that isn't covered in the March algorithm with the IFACs is hypothermia, because anything that's worth a shit to treat hypothermia is not going to fit in an IFAC. It just plain and simple, any of those cheap, shitty, small Mylar liners that you can get, none of them are worth anything. They're wow. they're cheap, they're worthless, they, they rip as soon as you open them. Uh, the only ones i found that are worth a shit are the SOL, the Survive Outdoors longer ones. But even still, I'm not going to put that in an IFAC. Um, that's, that's a secondary thing we can deal with later. So right. I I wanted to focus on those those bare minimums and but I also wanted it to be like good things um, and that was why I went with North American Rescue and that's why I became a distributor for them um, and so I had them put together this kit and um, it's 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 vacuum sealed in a uh, a vacuum sealed bag instead of being in a nylon pouch because that is kind of like a personal thing. For people, it's kind of like truck brands. Like, they're all at at the end of the day, they all do the same thing. It's just which one fits your role better.
0: And that's always Ford, by the way. Just so, (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, I had to. So, oh, yeah. (laughs) So, it's Ford in all things.
1: (laughs) <laughs> in one of North American Rescue's <laughs> nylon pouches, um, I put it just in the vacuum-sealed bag uh, because that allows people to, if they already have a pouch or if they're still trying to figure that out, they can at least get this stuff uh, and then figure out what pouch to put it in. Or if they've already figured that out, now they have stuff to fill that pouch. Um, and the other big thing about it was is it kept the price point down. Because I didn't want this to be super expensive like a lot of some of the other IFACs are. Um, and we'll, we'll go through that again when we start talking about like the things that I packed inside of it. So it starts with, um, one cat tourniquet, a combat application tourniquet. Uh, it's the gold standard. It's the, the one you see the most in the military. Um, it's the one you're going to see the most civilian side, even though civilian side isn't being mandated by anyone. That's just because it's got a proven history and it's just, it's, it's intuitive to use. So between like it's it's proven history and how easy it is to show someone how to use a cat, you're gonna find them everywhere. Uh, and so that's that's why I have that in there. It's I I rarely use anything else. Um, there's there's like seven or eight that are T C three or committee on Triple C or Cotsi recommended. Um, but I if I have a choice in no the matter, I'm just gonna use a cat. Yep, and then we have we come up to the wound packing gauze, um, which always causes a stir. And I've answered more questions about this than anything else I have in the IFAC. Is I only have two things of compressed gauze, and these are the full four inch by four and a half yard rolled cotton gauze, so like normal curlic stuff you would see in a hospital or in an aid station or whatever. Um, they're just vacuum sealed. And the reason why I have those instead of the hemostatic gauzes is mainly because of cost that adding quick clot would add $45 to the price of this just from one thing of quick clot. And and I I talked about it in in an article talking about wound packing on American Partisan that none of the hemostatic gauzes, um, impregnated gauzes, are a replacement for packing technique. Um, and, and people like to, to think that they can just buy stuff and that's going to like magically like fix all their problems is by buying things. Um, but it's, it's, I can tell you from personal experience that you can pack incorrectly with quick clot and it's still going to bleed through. Yep. Uh, you have to pack correctly. Uh, so for that matter, uh, And then also it kind of does come down to a personal decision because again, we talked about Selex, um, Selex impregnated gauze or cheetah sand gauze. Um, It's better for people that are on blood thinners or have clotting issues because it works independently of those, of your body's natural clotting factors. So I think it's a better option for most people, but again, to keep the price point down, I just wanted to stick with plain compressed gauze. You can do more things with it than just pack wounds. And that's why it's just two things of compressed gauze. Um, then after that, we have a uh, trauma dressing and that's just NAR's version of an Israeli. Uh, it's a four inch just to keep the size down to make it easier to pack into whatever nylon pouch you pick. Um, and that's for putting pressure on the, the wound packing material that you use uh, to, to pack that wound. Then, uh, an MPA nasal pharyngeal airway with a lube packet. That's really important. You want to make sure that when you're getting MPAs, you're getting lube, um, as well to put them in, um, because I'm pretty sure your buddies would really appreciate it if you didn't have to spit on the MPA before you inserted it into their nose. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've included a, an MPA with that, with a lube packet. And then we have a hyphen vented twin pack, um, there's, there's a couple of different really good chest seal brands. Uh, Halos are also really good ones, but the Hyphen is what NAR sells, so that's what I put in in the, in the pack. And currently, Kotze recommends vented chest seals over non-vented, so we're trying to keep everything up to date and with current standards. Uh, the next thing, and this is one of the big things that I wanted to put into the kits, is uh, a set of trauma shears. And these aren't just any, like, El Cheapo trauma shears that you can get off of amazon these are nar's specific um trauma shears and they are they're amazing they're they're worth their weight in gold i i've I've replaced every pair of shears that i have in a kit that i put together myself before i started having these kits made with these nar shears they're they're absolutely amazing. Um, they they cut through anything. I've never. I mean, how we did it in class, we were we were cutting on because we used a, a dummy for the partisan lifesaver class, a uh, mannequin, and he had a, an old set of ACUs on, and they were cutting the blouse off, and it cut right through the zipper like it was nothing, like it was just another piece of yeah. fabric. And and I saw it. Was I like, took
0: those pictures. Yeah. I took all those pictures that y'all saw over on AmericanPartisan.org. <laughs> Skip over there. If you haven't seen the pictures of this stuff, of, of uh, the practical exercises you guys are doing in class, it was the rare course that Mac medic has taught that I was actually able to be there and take part in. Um, because normally when he's teaching classes up here uh, at the guerrilla camp, uh, the farm over here in, uh, <laughs> in North Carolina, I'm actually on the road teaching classes. Normally, traveling, going somewhere else. That's kind of the way it's it's worked out. But um, I took all those photos because, man, first of all, those guys in class were crushing it, and um, you know something that uh, that I took from Brandon Webb a long time ago. The first time that I read Killing School. Um, which is strongly recommended book as yes. yeah, a professional development book, uh, you know, people can think whatever they want about you know some of the people that that were in that book were kind of controversial or whatever. I, I don't really care. Um, I'm just telling you like my from my background and my professional experience reading that book, there was a whole lot of truth in there that that I got out of it and facts and truth are different. You got to understand that too. So uh, that book, Killing School, was kind of controversial among certain circles for for you know whatever reason. But um, anyway, one of the most important things that Brandon Webb talked about in there was that when you look at the failure rate of a school, right, the attrition rate of a school, that is actually not the the failure rate of the students. That's the failure rate of the instructors. That no. they did not impart the knowledge that was necessary to get their students through because, you know, when when you talk about a course, doesn't matter what it is, whether it's, uh, you know, combat lifesaver course, uh, TC3, tactical combat casualty care, partisan lifesaver, right? RTO courses. We got those coming up, right? The scout course, carbine course, whatever, right? It doesn't matter what it is. It's our job as instructors to teach you the necessary skills it's not our job to sit there and tell you about us, right? You know, you already know about us. That's why you you came to class. It's our job to teach you. It's our job to impart on you the knowledge and wisdom that we're able to give you in that very short amount of time. And then the practical application is where we get to sit back and, and watch you and be amazed that you're applying mm-hmm. that knowledge. And so uh, what what Brandon Webb was talking about in his book was that the the success rate is what they're after. It's not the failure rate, it's the success rate. If they have a 70% success rate, that means that three of those guys out of the 10, the instructors themselves failed them, right? They failed them. They failed to instruct and impart on them the, the proper knowledge and the application of knowledge. And so that's exactly the approach that we're taking to all of this stuff. And so that's why I get so fired up when I see those practical exercises and I see these guys jumping in there and they're doing everything right. I, man, it, it gives me a feeling like, yeah, this, this right here, this is where it's at. This is, this right here is so motivating that, that, you know, guys, th- these are guys that I would want on my team. That, that's kind of like my benchmark of success or failure in, in my head is like, would I want you on a team overseas or not? And, and you know, I'm, I'm constantly calculating that in my head. Like, do, would I want this person or not? Man, th- and that that's why I just jumped in. I was like, hey, I'm going to take some pictures of what these guys are doing. You know, yeah. true story. Did I or did I not?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it was. It was. It was definitely impressive watching them uh, go through that. Yeah. Um, it, it. Yeah, that that last and class definitely. You guys are go the,
0: the scissors. The scissors that you have, so the ones that came from North America Rescue that you've got in the IFAC. Mm-hmm. There was a guy, and I could tell just by the way you said. Mm. <laughs> it was it was a question in class and, and actually an interesting one. So there was a guy who brought out um, and, and I mean he's a stud. He's you know working he, he is currently in um, EMT working on paramedic. He is um, a reservist. He just came off of active duty uh, in we'll just say in this field in the Air Force, um, yeah, and, yeah. and, you know, now, he, now he's a reservist and he was using some pretty high speed shears. And I had yes. some questions because I, I had never seen those before, you know, and, and I was, I'm used to yeah. the standard trauma shears. Like that's what I've always carried North American rescue. Mm-hmm. And I saw these really cool guy looking shears. And I was like, man, those things look like they, they look like uh, pruning shears, man. Cause that's, that's kind of what they look like. But they really didn't seem to work that well. Like not yeah, that the, much. Yeah, right.
1: the, the Leatherman Raptors. Um, I've, I've yeah, got a, yeah. a set of them that I was, I was given uh, for deployment. And honestly, I, I wouldn't pay for them with my own money. Um, my biggest gripe is that Leatherman put a pocket clip on them because they can fold up. And they put a pocket clip on it so you can put it in your pocket, but the metal for the blades and everything on it is uncoated.
0: Uh, and
1: just from like three months of me carrying them around in my pocket, they already started to rust.
0: They weren't, it's Leatherman, man. They weren't powder coated or anything.
1: No, no, it's just bare metal. What? And it's not even stainless. Yeah, I, I don't know what the hell oh. happened with that they've got like a thousand and one like things on them. Um, like they've got like the oxygen wrench and like the glass breaker and a, uh, um, strap cutter on them and a couple other different things. But I, I was not impressed with them. Um, they come with like a holster that you can use like a little, like a plastic, like belt clip holster. Um, and that's honestly how I carry them the most. Um, when I'm like doing like motor pool stuff, just because yeah. like I like having a set of like heavy duty scissors on me, but I don't I don't ever carry them in a pocket anymore because they they already started to rust and I don't know if it's because I have toxic sweat or
0: you got you got that salt mine going, man. That's a, what it is. A lot of bourbon, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's that clover, yeah, that clover, man, <laughs> what, clover bourbon, dude. Um,
1: but I That's don't, good stuff. I don't, it's really good stuff. And it's
0: um, really, that was, I was blown away, man, that Bobby yeah. Jones liquor.
1: Yeah, <laughs> but especially, especially when like you also clue in that those those uh, are included in that those Leatherman are seventy five dollars a pair. Yeah. And these shears are ten dollars.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and
1: part of yeah. the IFAC. They're there. As soon as I got my hands on them the first time and tried them out, I was like, these need to be a, like the handles have like a rubber coating on the inside of them. Like, yeah, they're I, I could not be happier with these years, and I, I knew I had to include them in because I had well, nothing but the best. You know,
0: it, I mean, I know you're like me, got two of everything at least. You know, one is done, two is one. <laughs> if you have two, you have four. Yes. You know, if if you find a quality piece of kit, you're going to stock up on more of them. You know, yes. th- that's just the way it is. And, um, man, it, it, I tell you, with, with North American Rescue, like, that's what I always use overseas. Um, always had, we, like, instantly when I saw your trauma shears, I said that, you know, that's the same ones that that I always carried. The very first time that, that we linked up and you did your first TC3 class up here. Uh, what was that, like two years ago now? Uh, three? Three, it was, it was 2019. Three. Yeah. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah.
0: Dude. Where does the time go, man? It seems right. like it was like yesterday. I And I introduced you to all the bad habits, too. It was like, yes. hey, have a yes. cigar. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Partagas yes. number eight,
1: it damn sure was. Yep, that's my entry level the, drug to the, everybody. The one you did with with uh, Patriot Man, and I was like, "Hey, <laughs> that's
0: the same one I got started on." Yeah, that's my that. So Partagas number eight, man, it's a tragedy. Mm-hmm. Um, it is. So General Cigar, who makes Partagas Punch, um. Macanudo, but but Macanudo never was a Cuban brand, so they didn't change them. It's all the same. But um, Partagas and Punch, both they so General Cigar is kind of in this weird time, like they they got bought by a Scandinavian Tobacco Company, which also owns part of Cuba Tobacco. And um, Altatus USA, which produces Monte Cristo, also bought part – well, they own uh, Monte Cristo, they own H. Upman, and uh, there's one other brand that they own that was a traditional Cuban. But they also own part of Cuba Tobacco, which is like this Mm. weird – it's it's like you've got two brands in-house that have the same name. But they have, you know, they, their own lineage because of the Cuban Revolution. So you've got, mm-hmm. you know, like with with uh, Monte Cristo and Cartagass uh, and um, uh, Punch and all of these brands that were originally Cuban brands. You know, Boulevard. All these they, they were originally Cuban brands, and the owners either went to Miami. <clears throat> a lot of them went up to Miami, or they they set up shop in Dominican Republic, like uh, Fuente did, um, mm-hmm. or they went to Nicaragua. Eventually, they they settled down in Nicaragua. That didn't come until uh, the late nineties. That really picked up steam. But um, y- you've got these traditional Cuban labels that are also they have a, an American counterpart as well. That's a totally different cigar, a good cigar, but it, but it's a totally different cigar. And so mm-hmm. with Partagas, they changed with them and Punch, they changed the band and they changed the label on them. And when they did that, like with Partagas, Partagas used to have uh, the Partagas Number no. Eight, which was a Maduro, and that's mm-hmm. the one like that. That's my my entry level cigar that I would always hand out to people because yeah, it's nice and smooth. It's it's, you know, doesn't like it's not going to kick you in the teeth. It's just a real good um, relaxing smoke, you know, and, yeah. and I always love to give those guys if they're like, you know, oh, I'm an inexperienced cigar guy, but I, I want to smoke cigar. OK, well, here you go. You know, and uh, punch was the same way punch um, with uh, the Grand Crew line. And they've got some that came from uh, Honduras. They, they're still making those. They're real good. Um, real, real good, but with Partagas they had Partagas Black, which was uh, a Maduro, and it was it was a, a stronger cigar. They had a lot of Ligero, uh leaves in it. Really good, man. And they ended up they discontinued it, and then they they have another cigar that's similar to it called the Partagas Black Label, but they changed the labels so that it doesn't mm-hmm. look at all like. The Cuban counterpart, like like the the Cuban bands that are on uh, Partagas and Punch, and like they they don't look like them. So like anybody that's uh, uh, ever smoked a Cuban cigar, they know like with with Monte Cristo. If you get a Monte Cristo number two or or any of the Monte Cristos, that the label it says Havana on it, and it looks identical to the Monte Cristo label here in the U.S., but You know the the one in the United States, the one that's the Dominican cigar, or uh, Nicaraguan, or you know any combination therein, because there's a lot of uh, Monte Cristos out there that that are produced by Altadas USA, but they're all different, you know. But they that label, that basic label on there, looks very very similar. The trade dress looks very similar. So, um, but yeah, they changed it, man. And when when they changed all of that. They changed the labels. They discontinued the Partagas Number Eight, and JR Cigar, by the way, JR Cigar still has the Partagas Number Eight listed in five packs on their website. But I called down to their store because we got a couple of their stores here in North Carolina, mm-hmm. and uh, they're based out of Burlington. And I called them, and they were like, "Yeah, we don't have that anymore." So it's on the website, but it's been discontinued. And I was just like, man, because I I called them just to see, man. I was going to make a trip down there. If they yeah. they had it on the website, then then they got it in their store. And um, but nah, wasn't well meant to be, man. I was just like, dang, because we were talking about it. We were talking about it. Yeah. I was just like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna go down there and get one, man. You know, get get a few packs of it if if they're going to discontinue it. And but nah, yeah. Not meant to be. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to find a new one. But Monte Cristo, Monte Cristo is always a good starting point for cigars as well. But I will say uh, Curavari, the most unknown brand out there. You ain't going to find hardly nothing on Curavari out there. But that, that is the best cigar label that nobody has ever heard of is Curavari. Curavari is making, in my opinion, this is strictly my opinion. I, I would say that I'm a well seasoned cigar uh, smoker, uh, not not quite a connoisseur, but but close. <laughs> um, I've, I've smoked I've smoked cigars from pretty much everywhere, um, including Cuba, and and I would say what what Curvari is producing right now um, is among the best in the world, along with Padrone. Along with P- Padrone is yeah. Padron the oh man dude even even Padron's uh even their lower end lines like the the five thousand the three thousand the five thousand wow dude Yeah <laughs> We what a what a cigar man what a what a great cigar um dude we uh what was it was it prepper camp? Wait, what? What was it that you came to? Yeah, it had to have been prepper camp.
1: I think it was prepper camp. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, I brought that box of padrones. Yes. Yeah, dude. Yes. I've still got a couple of those around here in in one of the humidor's, man. And uh. Mm. uh
1: those
0: are
1: good. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, anyway, back to back to medical, yes, medical stuff. So, yeah, back to in the, one of your IFA, last articles so... you put up. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, I was just gonna say back to just finishing out the IFAC um, after the trauma. Oh, yeah. tears, there's a, a combat casualty card, um, just to be able to to record information, even in a, a partisan grid down environment. That that continuity of care is like extremely fucking important and having a a pre-made card to be able to write on instead of having to like write on tape or on a uh, right in the rain sheet that's all like disorganized and discombobulated having that like preset form just makes it easier for that care and for that continuity of care like going through the higher levels um and then a permanent marker and the thing I wanted about the permanent marker is um one, it's a full size because some North American rescues kits come with, like, the little, like, golf Sharpie. Um, and uh, those are a pain in the ass to use. So I wanted to make sure it was a full size. And it's actually a Sharpie brand Sharpie. Um, there are right. a few things that I'm brand specific on. <laughs> and permanent markers, <laughs> there's two. And only two that I mess with. And it's Sharpies and Staedlers, um, And that's it. Yeah, um, And then after the permanent marker, it's a roll of surgical tape. Um, this stuff's the two-inch variety, and it is, and I'm really glad that it is, um, specifically Durapore by 3M. It's This stuff is the, the gold standard of, of medical tape. It sticks to, to everything, including itself. As people found out in class trying to tape stuff down, it will most definitely stick to itself.
0: Quite easy yeah, man and,
1: and so that's that's everything that's in the in the IFAC.
0: Yeah you know and honestly man, you know like I, I've already said it in in this episode but and, and I've said it many times in the past my my bar of, uh, of of approval, you know my standard there is is this something I would use overseas? Or if it's with people, it's, would this person be on my team overseas? You know, yeah. w- do I want this, do I want to be working with this person? And I'm telling you, man, you're, you're IFAC from, but I knew though, with you, and, and <laughs> you know, going to inflate your ego a little bit here, brother, but when, when you meet somebody and you're instantly on the same page with them and you know, like, okay, the, this guy is speaking the same language as me. He, he has the same work ethic, the same understanding, right? We, we recognize all that. And um, to have to have that level of, you know, I, I know. I, I don't have to sit and, and, and you know, monitor stuff very closely or say, like, do I, you know, question, basically, do I really want to be, uh, you know, giving this dude a shout out. I'm telling you that, that thought that hesitation has never, ever once been never once crossed my mind. And it has, you know, a few other times with, with other folks out there who, who are no longer affiliated with me. Um, But point is, is that you're getting the very best here with North American rescue. You're getting the very best. This is not some Chinese cheap crap. That's put in a bag that's designed to sell people, you know, hundreds of them for you never to use them. This IFAC is designed by a guy who knows what the requirements are to actually save your life and is betting on the fact that you're gonna have to use this at some point. It's a whole different mindset. You know, he's not trying to sell you crap or or garbage here. Because he's the real deal. And he's offering you classes on how to learn how to use it as well. I mean, brother, you you practice everything that you preach. I mean, you're one of the, the handful of people that I know that I can say that about.
1: Hey, uh, it's a mighty praise, and I, I definitely appreciate that, brother. It, it, it means the world.
0: Well, man, facts are what they are. You know, facts are <laughs> what they are. But uh, – one thing is a piece that you had put up on AmericanPartisan.org. Uh, was, I think it was a few days ago. But it, there were some questions down in the comments that were kind of resolved. I chuckled a little bit when I saw one of them uh, regarding questions about sea versus quick clot and hemostatic clotting agents. I chuckled about it just from my own personal experience, and uh, even though my personal experience with it wasn't so funny when it happened, uh, but I kind of chuckle now because it's always it's one of those deals that I know that when somebody is commenting in a particular way, they only live on the internet, and they don't really they don't really get it quote unquote. So, um, but the question was regarding sea locks. Uh, quick clot, hemostatic bandages versus granulated powders. And, man, if you could go a little bit deeper into that, I think it would be awesome.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. I, I definitely can do that. So, like, a lot of this confusion, um, originally back prior to 2008, Um in the, one of the things that was, was in the supply system was in the COTSI guidelines was the original formulation of quick clot. Um, and that used, a, a, a thermodynamic chemical reaction to produce a, a bunch of heat. And it would, I mean, literally not figuratively, literally cauterize any blood and, and burn any tissue it came into contact with. Um, it was a very aggressive uh, intervention, but it was, you know, at the time the best that they had um, and they were trying to get anything out there uh, with the casualties that we were seeing in Iraq and Afghanistan um, in, in the early GWAT, just trying to get something out there. And it was these granules, this, this powder, this loose powder that you would have to try to pack into the wound um, and, 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 there was a, a, still is a, a granulated version of sea locks as well. Um, and sea locks uses a different approach to its, uh, encouragement for, uh, clotting. So instead of using the, the quick clot route, what sea locks uses is they use a derivative of shellfish blood. Um, and it clots on It's like, it forms like a plug basically, um, on its own. And like one of the big things you always hear people talk about with sea is, oh, well, because it's from shellfish, if they have, you know, if they're allergic to shellfish, they'll go into anaphylactic shock. No, they won't. It's not true. It's never happened. It never will happen. the proteins inside of it um, that would cause that, um, that histemic reaction have been denatured. So they won't cause that reaction. You won't go into um, in any sort of shock from it. And you're not going to see any of those issues. So no one's going to have an allergic reaction from it. Um, and so that's kind of the main two differences between those. Well, after 2008, um, or before 2008, one of the things that they had, one of the big issues with the quick clot powder, um, besides it just being detrimental to tissue everywhere, um, that it was applied was that they had an issue with flight medics opening it inside the back of the aircraft. Um, and even with the doors closed, you still have the crew chief doors open, windows propped open in the pilot and co pilot seat. And there's a yep. lot of wind flying around inside of a, a helicopter. For those of you listening who've never been inside of one, um, not only are they way noisier <laughs> and they make them seem on TV and movies, but there is a shitload of wind turbulence everywhere. And these flight paramedics were going to open these pouches of, of powder to pack wounds and stuff. And it was flying into their eyes. Um, luckily, it never, as far as my knowledge, um, I'd have to go back and look. I'm pretty sure it never ended up in a pilot's eyes. Um, if it did, I think we would probably have known about it, but it definitely flew into some of those flight medic's eyes and it permanently blinded a few of them. Um, so yep. much so that in 2008, the army and DOD wide removed it entirely from their supply system. Uh, it got pulled from the guidelines. It is not approved or recommended. It is not mentioned at all anywhere in the guidelines. Um, it's, 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 not, it's not a thing. Outside of that, uh, you're not going to pack with a powder. It's, no. It's just not physically possible for you to be able to, to pack a powder in. Um, so what we use now when we talk about um, hemostatic gauzes is those are the, the impregnated gauzes. So they have that that material in them. And the new formulation now for quick clot is actually, believe it or not, the active ingredient is kale and clay. Um, it's, it's dirt, uh, which I always chuckle when you look at the, the expiration date on that. Um, you know, dirt <laughs> will expire.
0: Dirt uh, will expire, man. Dirt will expire. It cracks but me
1: that's, up. So that's why like with, with the, the combat gauze, uh, it's not going to work as well on with people that are on blood thinners or that have clotting issues because it works with your body's natural clotting factors to help your body form a clot. Whereas the sea locks or cheetah sand gauze doesn't. Uh, so I will never say that those impregnated gauzes don't work better than just plain cotton gauze because they do. The data is out there. The information is out there that proves that they work better, which is fine when uncle Sam is paying for everything and you can just go to your supply sergeant and get more quick clot when you need it and just do a class yeah. eight order. When we're having to pay for things on our own and you're looking at 40 to $50 a pack versus two to $3 a roll of vacuum sealed gauze and you can get brand name Curlex for like a dollar 30 a roll. If you get, um, like if you buy it by the case, which you can do online, you can buy hundred pack cases, cardboard cases of Curlex gauze, uh, for like 130, 140 bucks online. Um, and that's like within like the last week I looked that up. Uh, I think it was actually on the last SOL I looked that up. Yeah. Um, It's not that expensive if you're buying it by the case. Versus five dollars a roll. Uh, Is is it better? Yes. Is it 40 times better? I don't think so. Um, I'm never going to turn someone away from putting Quick Clot in one of their kits. I have it in several, but that's because it was issued to me.
0: Yeah, in, well, in these kits. Also, And I have
1: these kits packed away in different – like I have them in my cars. Like I took some of these when I did the order and put them in my vehicles like for myself and my family to use. And yeah. they do not have quick cloth. I like, think I'm well, not that worried about it.
0: I, I would say too, man, a, a lot of what the, the disconnect there is is – Really comes down to training because I was always taught. I could be completely wrong about this. I don't think I am. That quick clot is designed to be a last intervention at critical junctures. So say like you know armpits or groins where you can't get a tourniquet in there, but you have massive hemorrhage. Um, you're you're not. It, everything else superficial wounds to extremities everywhere else you are using another intervention before you use a hemostatic agent um, yeah
1: that's that's packing in general um, right
0: yeah exactly
1: that's that's that's, that's what works like we, you're not using any of this stuff for superficial like the the powders that you if you get the cellox powder because they still sell that. Um, yeah. It, it says, like, if you read the instructions on the back, and uh, JP was talking about this, that it, it the instructions make it look like it's for a, a, a superficial, topical wound.
0: Yeah, because back in the um, day, man, on, on the wrapper, they had a guy's arm. It, it was literally a guy's arm with a cut on it, and yeah. it was showing you how to dump the powder in there, and it would stop the bleeding. It's just yeah. like, okay, that that's a superficial wound. You're not... Like it, it's psychological. It's designed for people who are freaking out. They see blood, yeah. and it's fight or flight kicks in, and they're like, "Oh man, I you know I got to stop the bleeding," right? Except that the best way to stop the bleeding is throw a tourniquet on it. Like if he's bleeding that yeah. bad to where you think yeah. that, that the hemorrhage is going to risk his life. You know, like as it may very well be. If it if it's that bad, then you know throw a tourniquet on it. Because yeah. the the thinking was in the early days of the GWAT, you know, the first, I would say probably, uh, you know, oh one, late 01, 02, into 05, the thinking was, you know, like still it was that carryover from Vietnam that if you put a mm-hmm. tourniquet on something, you were going to lose that limb. So you don't want to put a tourniquet on it. So... The, the rise of the, the hemostatic agents started, you know, like, oh, th- we're going to use this as an intervention in lieu of a tourniquet. But then, yeah. you know, because of Katsi and, you know, Katsi's forerunner before that, um, they, they really got together and they were like, look, let's reevaluate what we're doing here because this is getting a little silly and then you know by by oh six oh seven you know w- when when I was operating and then um, you know going forward from there, HemeCon bandages hemostatic agents really were kind of a item of last resort. Like basically, if I'm breaking out the quick clot, you're and and we only to to be very clear here, we only got issued. I got issued granulated quick clot. No, it was Sealox. Sealox first. I, I got issued granulated Sealox. Uh, my first tour in Iraq, I've still got some around here somewhere. Um, but anyway, I, I got issued that and a lot of it. And then um, after that, it was uh, we got granulated quick clot and then uh, the quick clot gauze, the actual trauma gauze, which was... Yeah. You know, really, that's preferential because it's not granulated. You know, and and we yeah. got told all the exact same things. You know, like if if you're you're prepping a guy for medevac or you know you've got dust off coming in or whatever, you know, you, or or even just sandstorms, man. Like you, you know, just any any number of things. This is a safer option here, but it is still an option of last resort. And so when I see those comments online, like, oh, you know, well, jump to a hemostatic agent, I'm just like, I, I get a little chuckle out of that, uh, you know. So we're, like,
1: we're taught now that that is for packing any like in massive hemorrhage or in, um, in circulation when we're doing any packing. And, again, we're only packing like the, the life-threatening bleeds. Um, we're, we're packing with quick clot first. Oh, okay. That's in the, the, the combat gauze specifically. because um, that's what's in everybody's IFAC. You get issued yeah. you have a roll of quick clot and then a roll of cotton gauze to backfill behind it. Um and because and again, I it works. Yeah. Somebody oh, else yeah, is paying does. for it though. In 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 that environment, somebody else is like I'm not having to pay forty five dollars every time I open up a roll to use it. Yeah. So it I mean, if you, it's if not you got a the money for it for you know? yeah again and I I I said that in the article if if you feel the need to pay for it or if you think it makes sense for you by all means I'm not telling you to not pay for it. Because again it works but for most people I think you're better spent spending the time on learning how to pack correctly because again $45 that's you know what two three hours of of work for most people yeah and that's 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 a bit of time and I think you better spent using that time to to learn how to pack um than than just buying a piece of gauze and being like yep I got the quick clock gauze I'm good I don't need to worry about it anymore well
0: and it's an intermediate intervention too you know it's one of those things like if I know how to how to pack a wound properly. You know, and I do, and I know you do, and you you you'll learn how if you come out to
1: Hello? You there? You there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I lost everything. I didn't hear any of what you just said.
0: You no, know, I just, I was saying, uh, if you get that cheap gauze, you know, just, just basic trauma gauze, and, you know, you, your four-inch Curlex. Mm-hmm and you come out to TC three course or you come out to partisan lifesaver and you're going to be doing a lot of wound packing, you know, you're going to learn how to do all of that. You're going to be, every bit as effective, you know, so don't buy into the hype behind buying a bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, you know, but, but there is, you know, there's a threshold of buying good gear, you know, yeah. magnetic IFAC that he's got the best one I know of on the market
1: yeah and it, that, that was my idea with putting this together is I wanted a good a, a baseline the, the, the bare minimum for an IFAC to put out there um, and uh, in addition to this one thing and I'm they're, they're being put together right now by by North American Rescue um, I got another kit coming out I did a pre sale for it and those will get filled first uh, but when I do get them in stock, I will I will put them back up on the on the store. The uh, the bleeder kits for the uh, UW Gear bleeder pouch. Yeah, it's a little bit more of a streamlined kit uh, just to fit that. There's there's not as much stuff in there. It's it's basically just uh, two things of gauze, uh, tourniquet, uh, pressure dressing. So another uh, trauma dressing or trauma bandage, and then a set of shears. And I. Th- Think an MPA. I have to go back and look at the list. I think it's an MPA in it as well, um, but it's a oh, much right on, more slim lined, just for that, just as a, a bare minimum bleeder. It's not to replace an IFAC. It's it's technically to supplement uh, an IFAC. Uh, and I got I got those. I should have those in this month. Um, and so those it, are those yeah. are up on on my on my website. Uh, the IFACs are eighty five. I think I'm going to be having the bleeders in at 70 or 75. Um, it, that, that's going to be one of the things that's up in the air. Um, as of right now, everything is free shipping. We'll, we'll see how this new year goes with, with shipping prices increasing, if I have to change that or not, um, or if I have to change pricing to, to adjust for that. But right now, the IFACs are $85 shipped, um, and those are on the store. I have them in stock. If you show up to class, I have them in class and you can you can get them right then and there and get them in your hands.
0: Yeah, man. I know this last class, like everybody, as soon as they walked in the door, they were like, Can I get an, can I get, Where can I get one of them TC three? Can't stop. You know, like they, they were just like, Hey, give me this stuff. You
1: know, so y'all, y'all got any more than my iPads?
0: <laughs> yeah man it, you know it's just like man you're, you're like a like a pack of wolves coming in here wanting to buy everything like oh, man, man. They don't carry me away i'm not for sale <laughs> <laughs> like everything that's not nailed down can i buy this like, nah 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 hold on man that's my computer like no 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 that's not for sale <laughs> yeah what kind of operating system you got on that laptop? <laughs> whoa, 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 hold up. You know, so. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's, it's a good time, but, uh, stuck That's where they can find your store, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, that's the whole blog. I've got stuff on there. I've got a whole references library. My class schedule is up there along with courses offered. Um, it, every, everything is, is up there on that. That one website.
0: And you got one right around the corner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I have one. Let me pull up my.
0: It's like the third weekend. January January?
1: 29th and 30th. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Last
0: weekend.
1: I've got a a TC3 course going on. And then the next Partisan Lifesaver is going to be 18 to 20 uh, February.
0: There you go. Come on out, come on out up here in North Carolina. Guaranteed to be an incredible time. And you, man, brother, I'm going to tell you, it, it's very rare that you find somebody who's both knowledgeable and can teach. Um, yes, I know some people who who can teach, and they don't know their butt from a hole in the ground. And I know, you know, a lot of guys who have all the knowledge. You can't teach worth a crap, but yeah, you you've got them both, man. You you've you've got that that genuine ability uh, to to really sink in this stuff. You know, I see it from interacting with your students, and um, man, it, I, I tell you what, it, it's always a big honor to have you up here and to be able to to uh, just see the great things that you are doing and what you're able to put out there.
1: I uh I, again, high praise and I I I appreciate that. It especially coming coming from you it it, it means a lot to me. Um
0: That's I, earned, uh, man.
1: Oh, I yes. Um but I I all the same I I do appreciate it.
0: Um, yeah, man. Well, anyway, any last words for this edition of Radio Conjure? Um
1: Honestly, I I think we we've, we've covered a, a good bit um, on this one. I think we we've, we've gone over quite a quite a good chunk. Of it. and we've been going on for what's this in an, an hour and, and change now. Oh yeah.
0: Hey man, it's a podcast. We can go we can go as oh, long yeah. as we want. I we go all know. night. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, brother. So, anyway, um, Megmedic, StuckPigMedical.com, you can find his store. you can find the class schedule, of course, BrushBeater.org slash training calendar. You're going to find his class dates up there, as well as mine, and several other instructors that I host up here, hang out with friends, fellow malcontents, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh... But um, as well as AmericanPartisan.org, your daily source for all sorts of seditious news um, (laughs) and useful things as well that we put up. But, uh, brother, it is always an honor to be with you, to be among you, to learn from you. Man, thank you for being here.
1: Thank you for having me on. It's always a good time.
0: All right, brother. Well, I want to wish you good night. I want to wish the audience out there good night, Godspeed, and I will be talking to you again very, very soon. This is NC Scout and MechMedic out.